Come on. Steps were taken, plans set in motion, and the strong and powerful John Briggs is here on Lifeblood Numbers. Welcome, John. Thank you. Glad to be here. Excited to have you on. John is the founder of Insight Tax and Accounting. He's the author of Profit First for Micro Gyms, and he's the owner of GSL Fitness. Again, I'm excited to have you on, John. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. So I have four kids, uh, live in Utah, uh, age, age range of 13 is my oldest, uh, my only boy, and then the rest are girls, lots of weddings to pay for, um, 11, 9, 7, they are great, but I'm a pretty sarcastic type of parent, so I do let people know how much headache they give me, um, but uh, I own an accounting firm here, and as you mentioned, a uh, part owner in a gym as well, and I wrote a book for gym owners about cash flow. I think, you know, I grew up um, as a chubby child and my neighborhood kids really liked to pick on me for that. And so I experienced some element of bullying when I was younger. And so what I do, I feel like directly stems from my experience as a child because I don't think there's a bigger bullying organization than the IRS out Mm. there. And I see it all the time in the way they write letters and the way they communicate to taxpayers. So really, we just a simple way to say I do what I do because I like sticking it to the IRS and I like protecting people from bullies. Well, appreciate that very much, man. So I'm probably a pretty sarcastic parent, too. I've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and I need to sort of remind myself that they're, in fact, four and one. Um <laughs> Which I imagine you can probably identify with. Yeah. Yeah. My wife is the one who reminds me, like, uh, she's just seven. Like, I don't understand. Why can't she get a job? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> like, John, slow down, man. Slow down. <laughs> I love it. All right. So um, I, we, we were talking uh, before we got started about how, you know, you read these business books and experts say you need to find a niche. And, and I said, you certainly did really exactly that. So walk me through sort of your, 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 your evolution and how you found yourself where you're at. Okay. Um, so when I start off my accounting firm, obviously I was willing to take the money from anybody willing to give it to me. <laughs> And um, I love to further myself. And as you mentioned, not just business books, I think any business mentor worth their weight is going to suggest finding some sort of specialization. There's just more efficiencies involved in all that stuff. I came across a book. um, I'd been in business for probably four years. And I came across a book called The Pumpkin Plan written by Mike Michalowicz. And in the book, he compares the process of Farmers who grow prize-winning pumpkins, like the 1,000-pound pumpkins, he describes their process, and there's a direct correlation to how a business owner could pick a niche, with the idea being, if you grow a niche, you're growing a financial gigantic pumpkin. Um, And if you've ever read any of Mike Michalowicz's books, he provides a bunch of actual items. It's not just theory. And so I followed all the steps. I downloaded his Excel file. I started analyzing my clients. 
And at that time, I realized, huh, we have about 20 clients who are gym owners, and I enjoy working with all of them. And they are, they are the types where they actually know they don't know, so they're doing what I'm asking them to do. And based on the way they charge their clients, my fees don't seem outrageous to them. Huh, maybe we should start trying to get more of these guys. And so then that just took us down that angle and most of our marketing now is to micro gym owners. Uh, and it, it's really worked out well. We have more gym clients now than any other accounting firm in the country. Um, and it gives us a lot of efficiencies. We basically can identify problems we see before the owner even knew it was a problem just because we work with so many of them. Nice. Well, that certainly makes all the sense in the world. And I love a great, uh, a great analogy. So using the uh, growing, growing a, a championship blue ribbon prize winning pumpkin uh, and, and giving you steps, I, I can certainly see where that would be of value. Nice. Um, what is what 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 constitutes a micro gym? Yeah, so sometimes it's easiest to describe what it isn't. So like the gold gyms, the 24-hour fitnesses, most of their model is they rent equipment. So they have a big facility, lots of equipment, and it's a very low dollar amount. And they need, like the average gold's gym location um, in 2018 had like 4,500 members. That's a lot. So a micro gym is they might have 1,500 to, yeah, I know some that have like 10,000 square feet, but a lot are in the three to 4,000 square foot range. And they don't have a ton of equipment because their, their service is the training. And so it's like personal training and then group training. They only need like 150 clients to be really profitable versus 4,000. And so their price point is also higher because of the level of handholding and interaction that they have with their clients. But um, boot camp type of location, like Barry Boot Camp, is a model that would be considered a micro gym, even though they're a franchise. Anytime where there's a lot of personal touch and relationship is important with a gym owner, those would fit the bill. Got it. I, I appreciate that. And as I told you, or mentioned that, wow, that's that's awesome. You had a niche, but maybe not the best niche to have during COVID. Uh, they've struggled a little bit, but I can tell you just because of the passion that we've had, and this is one of the benefits of the niche, you, I mean, you just care a lot, not just about your clients, but the industry. And so like, I find myself listening to gym industry podcasts. It's actually the literal reason why I decided to, be, to become a gym owner. Um, and so, I mean, we, we really put our pedal to the metal when it came to COVID time and their shutdown, we spent a lot of extra hours trying to educate them on all the things that they need to be aware of with the EIDL loans and the triple P loans. And here are some things coming down the pipeline you should be aware of. Um, yeah, but it's tough. Uh, we definitely, we had a handful of clients that just closed their doors permanently. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's rough when the government says you can't be in business right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. But I imagine that the ones, and just like just like every industry, those who survived are hopefully going to come out uh, way stronger with with a deeper appreciation for probably all the things that you've been trying to get people to do for for the longest time. And what what are some of those things that you think are really starting to stick for people? Yeah, so I'll start with this a fun stat. Every so we teach a 
cash flow management system called Profit First. And at this point, you have the original book by Mike Michalowicz, and then you have a lot of derivatives that are written specifically for industries. So I wrote the book for the gym owners. Nice. And all of our clients who had implemented this cash flow system prior to the COVID crisis, they are still in business. And so it's easy now when a gym owner comes to us and they're not running it to give them that statement. And they're like, okay, maybe it's worth putting some effort into. So one of the first things that every gym did, including the ones who are already running the system, it's like, okay, your workflow and your operations now look a lot different that you can't physically have your doors open. What expenses does that mean you don't need? So immediately we started cutting back unnecessary expenses. And in that process, they found expenses that had been unnecessary even when they were open. And so like you said, they're coming out of this crisis now financially stronger because they've cut a lot of that metaphorical fat off of their uh, their cash flow. Yeah, that certainly makes sense, right? And that's just a really valuable exercise for all of us to do is to go back through our cash flow and say, what is not really serving me? And did I even realize that I had this $20, $30 charge coming out every month? Yeah, not just entrepreneurs, like from a personal life standpoint too, right? Like uh, Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. Nowadays, it seems like every network's trying to get on some subscription thing. Like I found last time I looked, I had overlap. Like, wait, both I'm paying for both of these and they're giving me the same product. Mm-hmm. I don't need both. Uh, yeah, they, those little things add up. Yeah. So the idea of, of profit first, I can sort of take shots and guess what that means, but what does that mean? This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. <laughs> um. In my book, I say really it means cash for the benefit of the owner first, but gosh darn it, it just doesn't sound as sexy as profit first. <laughs> um, the, the main idea with it, it, the best way to describe it is to talk about Parkinson's law. And so let me tell you this quick story. I was working for a door-to-door sales company and I'm sitting in the office as the controller, which is a head accountant. So as you can imagine, a boring job based on most people's standards. And the president comes running in and he's like, you better lock the doors and hide. Don't let anyone know you're here. Okay, All right. I feel like you're being a bit dramatic. Um, what the heck's going on? Because the weekend before we had just celebrated as a company hitting almost $30 million in revenue. $30 million in revenue. And we handed out these bonus checks to the sales reps, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. He's like, well, all those checks we gave out last weekend, they're bouncing. Like, how is that possible? Mm. Well, the owner had been working on getting a million dollar loan and it didn't go through. So they're bouncing and they're going to come in today and they're going to want you to write them another check. And those are going to bounce too. So it, how, like the question needs to be asked, how does a company that does almost 30 million in revenue, one, even need to borrow a million dollars in the first place and two, not have the ability to do it? Well, That's where Parkinson's law comes into play. The law states the demand for something expands to match the supply. When we were in college, we knew this by 
uh, what's the deadline for that paper? Okay, <laughs> when did I write the paper? Midnight before the deadline. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? We take as much time as given to us. But from a business owner standpoint or our personal lives, if you have only one bank account, that bank account is a giant pile of supply. And the demand for that pile of supply in the form of expenses is gonna to continue to expand until there's no more supply. So that's the human behavior that with Profit First, we say, look, we're not gonna to try to combat human psychology. We know that that's wired into all of us, but we can put boundaries around this law so that our behavior change, changes. So we wanna create a fake reality that we have less money to spend than we actually do. And with Profit First, the way we do that is we set up a couple other bank accounts for the purposes of benefiting the owner, like owner's pay. Can't tell you how many entrepreneurs don't pay themselves because they're willing to fall on the sword and their passion is carrying them through. Well, they will eventually reach burnout. So they gotta pay themselves. They're also taking a risk for owning the business. They should be giving themselves a profit distribution. So that's another account. And as your business becomes profitable, you're gonna pay taxes. Yeah, you can hire awesome people to reduce how much you pay, <laughs> but you will always have to pay something. Let's go ahead and set aside that money beforehand. Um, and then you have, we recommend account solely for the purpose of receiving deposits. Um, it makes the system work easy because then when you sit down once a week or every, or like every other week, you are taking all the money that's in the income account and transferring it in percentages into the different accounts. So now you look at your operating expense account, which has been given money from your income account. Now you can run your business off that or you can run your lifestyle off that. Because the model works from a personal side too. Like maybe it might not be owner's pay or profit, but you know maybe I have a charitable nature, I wanna set aside money for charity, I definitely wanna invest in things and build towards my retirement. Like you can set up some other accounts so that now the money in your normal checking account is less, but you're gonna make better decisions based on that because you know you're not gonna overspend. So that's kind of the general gist of how the system works. I love it. Parkinson's Law is absolutely one of my favorites, and I talk about it all the time, and you're the first person who's ever brought it up on the show, which I'm shocked by, so thank you for doing that. Yeah, no I love problem. it. You know, it's the whole thing about time and, and then money, and those are just, it's so easy for people to get their brain around that because we've all certainly experienced it, so. yeah. I love it. Um, well, this sounds like a really a, a pretty straightforward system that that's that's easy for people to 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 to, to get their brain around, and then actually put into practice, which is what makes it valuable, right? Because if something's too complex, then it's not going to work because it's not going to fit. Yeah, and we've ran into that before. I was introduced to Profit First. Like business owners would come in, I'm like, oh, the solution's easy. Like here are all the accounting things you need to do, and here's the accounting jargon that I'm going to use to explain to you how to do mm. the accounting stuff that you didn't go into business to do. And then all of a sudden they're like, ah, it's too big of a hurdle for me to overcome, I don't wanna do it. Mm -hmm. Everyone can set up additional bank accounts. Everyone can take 15 to 30 minutes a week and move money around in their bank accounts. Like, yeah, it's really simple to follow. Yeah, I appreciate that. And just to circle back on sort of that initial conversation about how you found your way into the niche, to be able to, um, to communicate and to help your client or have your client identify with, yes, I'm, I'm paying a fee, but I appreciate the value that I'm getting. Um, 
I think that there's so many probably entrepreneurs and business owners who struggle with that, right? Yeah, um, I think especially those who are struggling with cash flow um, because you look at everyone as an opportunity to, to be paying your bills and you don't realize if you don't take the time to analyze it, some of those people are actually taking up more time than what they're giving you in exchange. And so it's hard to say no. It's hard to say, look, at the end of the day, I don't identify with you as being a good client for my company. And there's nothing wrong with that because guess what? There's another company out there who does identify with that person and they're gonna be a match made in heaven. So yeah, I just wish entrepreneurs would be willing to work with only people who actually valued what they did because the amount of stress that comes from working with those who don't, it's honestly not worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen, amen. So the risk of... If I am a, a micro gym owner, the risk of doing it on my own means I'm probably not going to be paying myself first. I'm not going to be taking profit first. I'm going to be just stuck the tail wagging the dog for the foreseeable future, maybe forever. Yeah, as a group of entrepreneurs, I can tell you gym owners have a much higher, I don't know, threshold for pain, if you will. And so they're willing to fall on the sword for so many more years longer than um, other entrepreneurs that we work with that aren't maybe gym owners. And, and because they're so passionate about health and what that gift gives to people and how it really does, like it's the foundation of humanity is our health. And so it's hard sometimes for them to even feel like they should want to be profitable um, and so like actually in my book, one of my main messages to them is you deserve to be profitable and you can be profitable and serve this noble purpose that fuels you. You can do both at the same time. But if you're not profitable, it's not going to work. I mean, I, so profit, look, it's not about getting rich. Yes, it can lead to that. But profit is a necessary fuel for any business's healthy survival. If you do not have it, at some point, the business will close. It's a matter of just straight to the point facts. Yes, you can fund it with credit card debt and other, like your own full-time W-2 job, but it, it will eventually go away. And if someone's funding it through other means other than profit, they will eventually just decide it's enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well said. Well, John, People are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Uh, I mean, to keep in line with profit first, I if you're an entrepreneur, the simplest thing you could do if you think about it is like, well, I don't want to implement the whole system. Look, you're going to owe taxes, and you should pay yourself some sort of profit. At a minimum, set up two bank accounts and for the time being, just start transferring 1% of your revenue into each of those accounts a couple times a month. I can't tell you how big of a difference that makes for entrepreneurs uh, because I see this a lot. Come April 15th, hey Bob, you owe $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 in taxes. There's no way. I don't know, where's that money? Where'd that money go? Well, I mean, unless your accounting's wrong. Well, no, my accounting's perfect. Oh, okay. Well, you made this much money and this is what the rules say you have to pay. How, where did that money get spent? Parkinson's law. So this way by setting it aside, now it's, oh, you owe three, 5,000, 10,000 taxes. I, well, I'd rather not pay it. 
but I have it setting aside. Mm-hmm. We make so much better business decisions when we're not stressed about cash. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. John, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? So our website is insighttax.com. Um, and that's I-N-C-I-T-E-T-A-X because we do have an aggressive approach to the way we treat IRS auditors. We think they deserve to be given what they dish out. Um, and so insighttax.com. And if you go to backslash wealth, we actually have a free resource on that page. Um, we talked about analyzing expenses in the beginning. Uh in my book, I go over nine questions that I think should be asked about every single expense to help you determine, is this productive or not productive? Like, is it actually making my business better or not? Um, and so that's a free resource we have, insighttax.com backslash wealth. Um, and then feel free to look at all, all our other free resources. We just love helping people stick it to the IRS. Love it. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show John your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to insighttax.com. That's I-N-C-I-T-E tax.com. And then go to insighttax.com slash wealth. Check out the great resources that John's got on there and pick up a copy of Profit First for Micro Gyms as well. Thanks again, John. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. <laughs>